You're listening to Decisive Point. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the authors and are not necessarily those of the Department of the Army, the U.S. Army War College, or any other agency of the U.S. government. I'm talking with Lieutenant Colonel Brian G. Forrester about his article, Competing for Global Influence, How Best to Assess Potential Strategic Partners, which was published in the winter 2023-24 issue of Parameters. Forrester is a U.S. Army officer, a good pastor scholar with the Army's Advanced Strategic Planning and Policy Program, and the current commander of 3rd Battalion, 39th Infantry Regiment at Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Welcome to Decisive Point, Brian. Thank you, Stephanie. It's a privilege to be here. Before we get started, I would love to hear about what inspired you to write this article. This particular article grew out of my doctoral dissertation work. And what inspired me to write on the topic of exercises grew out of my most recent operational experiences in the Indo-Pacific, working at U.S. Army Pacific, and seeing how important exercises were to the overall operational strategy out there. What is economic globalization, and why does it present a better lens than economics does for determining potential military exercise partners? I would say economic globalization is the extent to which non-domestic actors participate in a domestic economy. So it's exposure to the global economy. And this exposure can come in the form of trade, foreign direct investment, and currency exchange. Globalization, I think, provides a level of specificity to the economic lens that we often use to assess national power. And I think it's a useful framework for strategic assessment of potential exercise partners, really for two main reasons. The first is simply a gap in our understanding of what influences military exercises. So the best available data show that the frequency of exercises has really accelerated in the post-Cold War era, which also happens to coincide with rapid economic globalization in many parts of the world. So I think exercises have increased at the same time global economic integration has really accelerated. But the handful of impressive scholars out there who have examined military exercises have not considered the role of economic globalization. So that was a gap I was trying to fill with this article. And the second reason I think globalization is a useful lens is that the political and security variables we may typically associate with our defense partners are really not sufficient explanations of the actual trends in military exercise partnerships. For instance, the share of U.S. partners that are formal allies with the United States has decreased from almost 75% in 1990 to roughly 30% in 2016. A similarly puzzling trend is evident in the regime type of U.S. exercise partners. Autocratic nations, that is those with illiberal political institutions, comprise an increasing share of U.S. exercise partners. And of course, this is not what we would expect to see. We would expect to see democracies as the primary exercise partner of U.S. forces. I think something else besides alliance ties and political regime is at work. And so in this article, I argue that economic globalization is at least part of the story here. What did you find in your analysis of our partners? Through an analysis of U.S. military exercise partners between 1990 and 2016, I find that a country's economic globalization is, in fact, associated with an increased probability of participating in U.S.-led military exercises. The more economically globalized a country, that is, the more likely it is to partner militarily with the United States. 
And in the article, I argue this is because partnering militarily with the United States promotes global stability and enhances the security that is so important to an economically globalized country. Interestingly, I think the relationship between globalization and U.S.-led exercise participation is even more pronounced among autocratic countries. So globalization increases the probability of partnering with the United States more strongly for autocracies than democracies. So this suggests economic globalization may be an explanation to the puzzle I mentioned before. That is, why are some autocracies increasingly participating in U.S.-led exercises? And I argue that the answer lies in the security and stability incentives associated with forming defense ties with the United States. And these incentives are especially attractive to globalized autocracies. Tell me more about how military exercises can influence partner nations who do not share the same values or forms of governance as the United States. Yeah, and I think this is the real contribution of the piece that I'm trying to make. So for partner nations who do not share the same values or governance as the United States, like autocracies, military exercises provide a way to form defense ties with the United States when alliance ties may not be possible. So formal alliance ties represent the sort of public signal of support that the United States may not be willing to send to autocratic governments. In fact, the vast majority of U.S. alliance commitments are with other democracies. So exercises represent a sort of next best option for globalized autocracies seeking to reap the security benefits of aligning with the United States. Additionally, I'd say participating in U.S.-led exercises signals a level of stability and alignment with the Western-led international order that may actually help attract additional foreign investment. And this is important for the economic well-being of an economy dependent on outside investment. In the article, and I'd highlight here that I think Singapore is a good example of these mechanisms at work. Singapore is a politically illiberal government, but with a highly globalized economy dependent on trade and foreign investment. It's also a longtime U.S.-led exercise participant, first dating back to the first iteration of exercise Tiger Bomb back in 1981. So Singapore is not a formal U.S. ally, but it has steadily developed deeper defense ties with the United States, including granting access to the United States to its naval bases. And the deeper defense ties with the U.S. has been a boon for foreign investment in Singapore, which of course has been great for its economy. So Singapore, to me, represents a good example of how economic globalization incentivizes a U.S.-led exercise participation especially among autocratic countries that may be unable to secure formal alliance commitments from the United States. What are the most important implications of your findings for defense planners moving forward? Broadly, I think the findings highlight the need for U.S. defense planners to give serious consideration to partner interests. And this is especially important given the geopolitical competition that we're currently in with China for global influence. So if we were to succeed in attracting and maintaining a robust network of allies and partners, that is to be the, quote, partner of choice, then we must understand the interests, including economic interests, that drive that choice. 
The second implication, and I think this is very practical, is that defense planners should zero in on economic globalization when assessing potential partners. And the globalization index that I use in my analysis, I think, is a great indicator and good tool to start with in making such assessments. And finally, I think planners should keep in mind that exercises may be an especially well-suited tool for engagement with globalized autocracies, where formal alliance ties might not be feasible. But of course, this will require close interagency coordination, primarily with the State Department. Do you have any concluding thoughts you'd like to share? Just one final thought about the broader implications of my findings. The fact that we're in competition with China for global influence implies that the United States is no longer the de facto military power globally. So American military forces have to strive to be the more attractive option to prospective partners. And doing that means knowing what prospective partners want. So what I hope I've done with this piece is show the value of considering economic interests when strategically assessing prospective partners. Brian, thank you for making time to speak with me today. I appreciate the opportunity, Stephanie, to be a part of this discussion, and thank you very much. Listeners, you can read the article at press.armywarcollege.edu slash parameters. Look for Volume 53, Issue 4. For more War College podcasts about similar topics, check out Conversations on Strategy, SSI Live, and A Better Peace. If you enjoyed this episode of Decisive Point and would like to hear more, you can find us on any major podcast platform. 